I, uh, I failed to, uh, I really apologize uh, publicly to everyone, I failed to come up with a joke uh, for this morning, but I did, uh, I did, I do have a pretty funny story to tell, um, I do have a pretty funny story to tell that just happened yesterday, um, you guys, obviously it's a really, really nice day, and for the first time in a long time, like really just about ever, it's been a while, I went horse riding, okay, have you guys ever done, when's the last time you guys have been horse riding before? Okay. So I get on this thing, and as soon as I get on, on this, this horse, it starts moving, like now. And I'm, I'm, now it's, it's, it's picking up pace pretty quickly. I'm starting to slip off to the side, and I start saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. And no matter what I say, this horse is not stopping. And it finally gets to the point where I'm almost completely off. I got one leg still on there. My head and my other leg are, like, on the ground and I thought, I'm, this is going to be the end of me riding this horse. I didn't know what I was going to do. And finally, the manager of the toy store came out and unplugged it. And I was, <laughs> I was good. I was relieved. So if y'all remember, that one was a review, right? That was a joke. I remember telling that to you, John, about, or uh, um, Father Don, about, about uh, five years ago. And church, well, that's a little bit of what this, this, this final series for me is going to be. It's, it's, it, I'm going to call this uh, series... Grace and peace. Uh, so, from pastor to pulpit in WACOB from 2013 to 2022, and really a lot of what I want to be doing in the in the upcoming weeks. Um, if you've been in my office before, you see as soon as you come in, there's a board that's on this wall, and it's just got a lot of quick little sayings on them. And most of these things, that, I mean, this is you know, the office that I'm in. Most of these things are really for me. These are th- these are these have been the Lord's uh, revelations. Uh, for me, but a lot of them you've heard come out in many of these messages, and in many of them they have been themes in, in, in these messages. And, and so, when I think of some kind of some closing thoughts, I, I really feel like these are the things that I hope you have heard. Okay, if I could put you know a final chapter, these are the things that I hope you have heard. And what's significant is that it's these. What, what happens? And I hope you get this. This is what happens in any pastor's life if if they do if they do their job well is that. Most of what you're hearing them say is, is something that the Lord has done in their life. The Lord has been showing them that this isn't just material for, for you to go apply. It's what God has been speaking to me that I've had to wrestle with myself. And so, especially the ones that but you could probably already predict what we're going to be doing like on, on the 22nd, on our last Sunday, the most common things you've heard me say. But today's are going to be ones you probably have, won't recall because they were a little bit more personal uh, to me. These were some, some words that I feel like the Lord had been speaking to me through my time here. And so today's uh, three, three nuggets we're going to share are really going to be a little bit more personal. And I'm titling this series Grace and Peace. Well, Grace and Peace is what Paul, one of Paul's favorite two words to share oftentimes when he address churches in the epistles, but then you, you, if you've seen me sign off on my name, I always like to say grace and peace, but I want you to think of what these two things mean. Grace, okay? Grace is God giving us something good that we don't deserve. Mercy is being, you know, to not receiving a due punishment that we deserve, but grace is giving us something that we don't deserve that is good, and peace, this was a common thing that they would always say in Jewish culture. They, would, they, they still do today in Orthodox Jewish culture. What's the word that they say? starts with an S. Yes, shalom, which means peace and prosperity. But it means peace in your 
wholeness and every being, everything in your being would be at peace. And these two things together, recognize what you have, the gift you have, and be at peace. And here's what's fun about that, those two words, is when someone says grace and peace to you, <laughs> it's actually a responsibility on your end, it's, but we don't usually portray it that way, but it's a responsibility on your end to accept what you have been given and be at peace. To your choice to be at peace with what you have. And so these words have been grace and peace to me. These, 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 what we're going to be talking through in these series, a few different points. Um, and, uh, and again, as I shared a lot of these, um, today's especially will be a lot more personal things that you probably have never heard. You may not even recall before, um, but they've been very personal words to me. So let's begin uh, with a word of prayer. Jesus, you're alive. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you are the God that is still speaking. The question is whether or not we're listening. You are the living God that, 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 you, have been, that you bring your word to life. The word that was written thousands of years ago, you bring it to life today. And again, we have an opportunity to allow this word to be fresh or allow this word to be old. <laughs> right now, in this moment, we have an opportunity to allow your word to be fresh or to be old. Something we've heard before that we think is no longer relevant to us. Or we can allow the living God to speak to us and bring about change in our life. So Lord, we thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I want to get to, um, uh, again, I hope, I really feel like I may, I don't know how close I'll be to notes through this series, because a lot of these things are per, per personal, but the first one I want to talk about is crash the chatterbox, crash the chatterbox, that comes out, the base for that comes out of 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 through 6, if you will put that uh, text up there, uh, Nick, or, yeah, Nick and Chris, Chris and Nick. Uh, which simply says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of the truth. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. Now, this idea of crash the chatterbox was not original at all. So one thing I'll put up that definitely wasn't original. This is, you know, as you're a pastor, you hear some sermons. You listen to some other preachers sometime. And, man, this one just really hit home with me. This is a, a Stephen Furtick sermon series that just really spoke to me a few years ago, which is why it has remained up on my wall. And it's based on that he wrote a book about it as well, too. There's a whole book about this. So if, you, if you're interested, I encourage you to read this. And I'll be reading a few clips from this here in a second. But it's based on this idea that this research-based idea that 80% of the thoughts that the average person has each day are negative. 80% of the junk in your, 80% of the stuff that spins through your head is negative garbage. Okay? Bet you're excited to hear that, right? Or tell me something I don't know, right? And the premises was that the voice you believe will determine 
the future that you experience. And so this was the Lord's word to me to recognize that I psych myself out in so many different ways. I can listen to all of this stuff and allow it to cause me some form of impairment, just simply meaning cause me to to not do things I should be doing, cause me to hesitate, cause me to feel insecure, uh, cause me to have all kinds of issues because I'm listening to all of this garbage. And I need to learn to crash the chatterbox. I need to learn to identify all of this unnecessary junk that is floating around in my head. And so if you're going to do that, well, then where is your baseline? Where do you, what, what do you listen to? What's the 20% that you do? How do you tell the difference between the 80% negative t- negativity? Is that negativity rational or not? And, and the, the, the line for this is to overpower the lies of the enemy with the promises of God. I just want to give you three things that aren't mine that were, that were verdicts that just really spoke to me as I was thinking about this this point that, that has been speaking to me for the last few years. So listen to this. Three, three lines here. The worth of your activity for Christ cannot rise above your understanding of your identity in him. In other words, if you do not recognize who you are in him, okay, what you do for him is going to be you know, based on a false identity. Based on, For instance, based on that if I don't do this, God is going to judge me. God is going to punish me. If I don't serve in church, God's going to punish me. And, and understanding, and when we, we come to an understanding that he has accepted us, that he loves us, that there is nothing we can ever do that will separate us from the love of Christ. We can, we can see ourselves in who God says that we are. And church, if you will let it, that will change the game for everything. Recognizing who you are in him. But then it's not just about God, because here's the next one, align your life with the truth of his acceptance of you instead of spending energy assessing other people's assessment of you. I know, you, I know I'm just speaking to myself, right? Nobody's ever done that before, right? Ever been real concerned about what other people think about them. So rather align your life with the truth of his acceptance in you. The last one is that I have nothing to prove Because I am already approved. Now, we find our definite meaning. We can find who we are in the word of God. Now, I know that sounds so Christian and so vanilla. But I'm saying this as the scriptures that you have the access to yourself. Not what this pastor even says from this microphone. That you learn to be men and women of the word yourself regularly, that you find your right. This word isn't that complicated. I know it can't, I will tell you this, it can be. But I would say, this is just Brody throwing out a number 95% of what you read in scripture, you're going to understand, especially if you're in the New Testament. You're going you're gonna to allow, you can hear the Lord speaking to you through, through, through those words. And identify that as your meaning, who you are, what, it, what you are here on this earth for. And if we don't spend time doing those things, regularly reminding ourselves of who we really are, that crash, that chatterbox is going to get really, really loud. There's going to be a lot of garbage floating in our head and most of this garbage coming from the things that, that the world tells us. And it's, we're going to be so tempted to believe the lies of the enemy. 
And so I want to encourage you to crash the chatterbox. To crash the chatterbox. And in other words, another way I, this is the way I put it to the bunch of teenagers I, I spoke to last month. Was that what I want for you more than anything? It's for you to be comfortable in your own skin. And that doesn't come because it doesn't necessarily come because of self-pride. It comes because knowing who you are in him. I mean, that ultimately you're not so consumed with all these things of this world that you can be yourself and be free. And the only, the greatest enemy to that is you right here. Being consumed with these 80% negative thoughts about yourself, about others. So the first grace and peace truth to you is crash the chatterbox. The second one. This is something I feel like I'm going to always be on a journey for. And that next one is a better refuge. A better refuge. And, and uh, we're going to read that. We'll get to that verse we just got in a second. But Psalm 18, 118, 7 through 8 says this. The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. And then here's what Psalm 34, 8, which we read a little bit ago. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. So this one's pretty simple, really. But I feel like even as, as I have been a Christian, I think even more so as I have um, got married, become a dad, this has been finding a better refuge has been an ongoing journey for me. And I hope it will be for you as well. Let me give you an example, okay? Refuges are things that when things get tough for us in our life, we run to. And tough doesn't have to be really tough. I just mean I shouldn't even use tough. I should just say uncomfortable. When we get tired, when we get a little bit uncomfortable, when people get under our skin, when we just need a break, okay, what do we run to? Where do we go? And now, you know the really destructive things that we could talk about that we won't, but there's really destructive refuges like substances, like excessive shopping, like cutting ourselves, like pornography, like alcohol. These obviously are really destructive refuges, okay? But I think we, I don't have to spin it, take a sermon to t- tell you how destructive these things can be. But, but I wanted, want you to notice the things that are just not good refuges that many of us, including myself, well, we can spend a lot of time with, okay? Things like, well, social media. Things like, um, or, or even, more, even more specifically, the news, okay? The news itself is really not a great refuge. Let's just take those two things. How do you feel after you've been scrolling for, through your phone for the last 15 minutes? Do you really feel good after that is over with? Do you feel better about yourself? Do you feel refreshed? 
Do you feel renewed? Or is there still this some kind of strange buzz in you that's, that's like you're, 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 you're looking for something that you're not going to find? And you don't even know what you were looking for when you started it. But now, now that you've gotten into it, now you're comparing yourself to other people. Now somebody said something that made you mad. Now you think, well, maybe I should say something about that. And we go all the way down this road and we've entered in a whole new world when we were just looking for a little rest. Same thing can happen on the news. You just want to sit down and relax at the end of the day. You pop the news on, and now you're getting scared. Now you're getting mad. Now you're wanting to tell somebody off just because you popped on a television program. See what I'm saying? Men and women of God, the most disobeyed commandment in in, in the Bible that this guy disobeys more than any other is number four. And by what number know what number four is? Come on, come on, Bible people. Number four. Commandment number four, honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Now, Jesus said he was the Sabbath. He made that really clear in the New Testament. But the principle is still there, that as men and women of God, we have to learn how to rest. And when I say a better refuge, I know this about myself, that I often find myself doing things, mindless things, that I think they are mindless, but they're really not helping me. They're actually tearing me down more than anything else. And so rather the way of the Lord is to learn to find a better refuge. I feel like I'm always on a journey for a better refuge. So I want to give you some examples, just five quick examples of better refuges, okay? Now I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to start with a textbook one that you expect me to say. The other four may surprise you a little bit, but this first one isn't going to surprise you at all. You know what I'm going to say? Prayer. And scripture, okay? Prayer and scripture meditation. Now, here's why I downplay this one a little bit. I don't mean to downplay. It's, it's a very valuable one. But I think if you've ever tried to use scripture and prayer as a refuge before, and you, it's a hard time for you, well, it's probably because it's hard for you. It probably sounds or feels like work. It feels like something that's uncomfortable, that you have to be intentional to do. And I think that's a great point. So I wonder if you could make these things, prayer and Bible reading, not uncomfortable, not hard, to where you don't feel like you have to read this much or you have to pray this prayer. I wonder if you could find rest in just sitting down, no, no, don't pray a way you've ever prayed before and just talk to God. If you did, your day might sound something like this. Like, Lord, today my day really stank. <laughs> I am really tired. I don't know what this guy's thinking. And maybe, maybe we just start venting sometimes. And that's our prayer. We're inviting the Lord into our garbage. And you know what happens in those moments? I mean, I don't mean to... I don't mean to like spoil the end of the story. When you invite the Lord in your garbage and you're really that honest about it, you can actually do like what the chatterbox does is identify it as garbage. Like, oh my gosh, listen to me. I am such a jerk. I am such a sinner in need of a savior. Lord, forgive me for my attitude and thank you for what you've given me. But see, some people just need to be real and give themselves some space to find the Lord as a refuge. And scripture, you know, if you've got a plan that you try to read through and that works for you, keep doing that. But if, if that plan is starting to wear you down, maybe you just, Lord, speak to me through your word. This is your word. I'm going to open up your word. Whatever you, whatever I see speaks to me. And you open up to the passage in Deuteronomy. It says, I want you to run around naked and bark at the moon, right? <laughs> Wait a second. That's what I'm supposed to do? Okay. 
Yeah, that's in Deuteronomy. That's what he told some of the prophets to do. But anyway, um, so, but, but just allow God to speak to you through his word, okay? That's number one, prayer and scripture. Number two, okay? Number two would simply be, no, you could do th- three more of these, but how about this one? Many of us don't even think about this one. We should. Nothingness. Do nothing. Go outside, sit on, sit on your porch, and do nothing. Don't feel like, well, I'm just going to use this time to plan for my day. No, you're already doing something now. Just do nothing. And just appreciate nothingness. That's, the, that's what the absolute opposite is. If somebody is overwhelmed, you know what it's like to be overwhelmed. If somebody's going through something stressful and they're overwhelmed, the quickest and number one cure isn't just do this. It is do nothing. Do nothing. So your brain does not have to ignite anything. Just do nothing. Give yourself a nothing break, okay? Guys are a lot better at this than girls are, if you guys notice that in our DNA. I think it was... Uh, when we did the, lo- the um, Laugh Your Way, I think it was when we did our Laugh Your Way conference, he talked about guys are really good at going to the nothing box. And <laughs> that's, where, that's where we want to go at the end of the day is the nothing box. Okay? And uh, we can be watching TV but having no idea what it's about. There is even a show on, but we're just in the nothing place. Okay? But some way, somehow, we need to learn to allow ourselves some nothing. Okay? Another, a few other things that are better refuge. Um, Exercise, of course, okay? Exercise is definitely the best, be, best solution when you have a significant amount of tension. When you have a, a significant amount of excessive anger, energy that you feel like is going to go out the wrong way, whether you take a walk, whether you go for a jog, whether you lift weights, whatever you need to do, do something to release that. And the two more that I think are really two of the best ones. Number one, if, if you've got to be that person that, that just your social media is going to be, your phone is going to be your your thing, okay, you've, ex- I think you've, hope you've all experienced this one before, instead of just, like, scrolling, look for some things that are going to make you laugh, laughter, pursue some laughter, especially if you haven't laughed in a while, give yourself permission that, that I am just going to find stuff that's funny, okay, I'm just going to enjoy my time, I'm going to, I want to start to have some tears in my eyes because I'm laughing so hard, give yourself permission to laugh, and then the better one, I think, is probably my favorite, is that find some things or know some places to go, okay? Whatever it is that works for you to experience inspiration. The, whether it's the movies that inspire you, whether it's the, the nature that inspires you, to find the things that, that hit your buttons, like the right buttons, right? The positive buttons, the buttons that get your, your wheels turning again. They, they, they get you to be reminded of why you are here. And I encourage you to find, if you haven't seen the daggone, uh, I know I've been talking about this movie, the Fred Rogers movie yet, and that beautiful day in the neighborhood. There's an inspiring, that's the last inspiring movie that I watched. Very inspiring movie to me, okay? Find something that breathes life into your soul, that inspires you, that maybe puts a little tears in your eyes and reminds you why you are here. Now, I share this because, church, I want you to get, see, we just talked about crashing the chatterbox. How do you get rid of some of that 80% negative thoughts And the answer really is learning to have a better refuge, to allow the Lord to be your refuge. And I think we understand in typical Christian terms that, well, the way we allow the Lord to be our refuge is to go pray to him and to go get in scripture. And that's good and that's great. That's the right right thing to do. 
but I'm giving you some other options to where you can appreciate the fullness of who God is to allow the Spirit of God to inspire you, to bring you joy, to nothingness, right? To give you rest. And of course, as well, uh, to, 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 to give you, uh, as well, to, to allow you to experience the fullness of being with your body and to have the release just through the natural creation of who you are and the way the Lord made you. All right? So I hope you can, I can encourage you to continue to look for a better refuge. And before we run out of time and transition to communion, the next one, or the final one, and you've heard me say this one a lot, is to be in this moment. Be in this moment. James 4, 13 through 16 says, Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why do you not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes and all such boasting is evil. So the point of this passage in Scripture is that Paul's basically saying, you guys have all these plans. This is, this is, this, I mean, I, I wish this verse was, people, Americans understood this verse really well. Because this is one of the biggest misconceptions that people have about church. It's, it's, it's like that we, we are, are about, the, about a relationship with God. It's like, well, once I get my life together, once I get all these things in order, then I'll come to church. How many oftentimes do we hear people say that, now that they have kids, now they want to come to church. They, they want that for their kids. And that becomes a more common thing that we hear people say at times. But, but the point in, in all of this passage James is making is that today is, is the day. <laughs> today is the day that counts. Today is the moment that you have. You have no guarantees about tomorrow. You, you have this moment. And so I pray that prayer almost every time before we preach that in this moment... And we only have a few moments left. We've had moments now for the last, you know, 20 minutes of this message. The Lord can speak to you. But that's up to you. It can just be just another message and we can just be checking our watches and move on. Or we can allow, in a moment like this, the Lord to speak to us. And guess what? That doesn't just end inside these four walls. In any moment of your life. It can be embraced, and you can be fully present to empower someone else. So it can be embraced, or you could be fully present to receive. And I, I pray that prayer, bec- those prayers to remind you of the sacredness of this moment, because I know that I need that. As I even get up to, I'm thinking about other things. I'm thinking about afterwards. I need to be here in this moment. And dang it, that is the, the problem so often with our culture today. We get pulled in so many directions. We're always thinking about yesterday and thinking about tomorrow. We have a very hard time being fully present in this moment. And I've always had that problem. I've always had the problem of always feeling as if I should be doing something else feeling I should be talking to some, I'm talking to somebody in church, but feeling like, well, I should make them feel comfortable. I should talk to them. And, and the moment is right in front of you. Not tomorrow, yesterday, it's now. So at this time, I want to ask our deacons to come forward as we prepare for communion. And now, in this moment, we are doing what the Lord commanded us to do. This is what the Lord 
said to do in remembrance of him. (laughs) So here it is. We've come upon another moment. A moment, oh yeah, we're taking communion again, just like we took communion last month. And and this is the thing we do at our church. You know, we take communion, you get bread, you get a cup, and they pray a prayer for you, and just kind of the thing we do. It can just be that for you. Are you with me, church? Do you hear what I'm saying? You have a choice every time you walk in here, every time you come to the throne of the living God, to just go through the motions. Or right here, this could be sacred. Right now, this can be you and the living God. I am partaking of a symbol that Christ told me to partake of when he talked to the disciples over thousands of years ago. Over thousands of years ago, when he was speaking to them, he was also speaking to me. And now, in this moment, I am partaking of the blood of Christ. I am partaking of the life of Christ. I am part of something bigger than myself. And in this moment, the living God can speak and empower me if I will only be in it and not just do it. So I want to encourage you at this time to bow your heads and close your eyes as we prepare for communion. We will partake as we have before. I'll dismiss the rose and invite you to come forward and just have a moment of, uh, a quick moment of communion. And this is, be- this is something we do as a community, but it's a moment between you and the living God. It says the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. And do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Lord, we thank you for this sacred moment. And his heads are bowed and eyes are closed right now. We're going to take 15 seconds for personal reflection to be in this moment with the living God.
Will you join me as we close with a word of prayer? Lord, thank you that we have a table that you have prepared for us. Hmm. Ah, Lord, I sense your, your presence and just the sacredness in that truth. There's a table that we can always return to. There is a home we can always come back to. And Lord, as you've given us this symbol, it reminds us of home. It reminds us of the familiarity. As it reminded the disciples of being in your presence, I hope that it reminds everyone here of the moment that they said yes to you. The others that had been vital in their faith journey, the nostalgia that may even be attached to it. And although things change, there's always a reminder and always a memory of home. And Lord, you've always have a table prepared before us. You say to each one here, you can come home whenever you want. I'm always here. It can be in the morning time. It can be in the evening. It can be in the middle of your busy day when you feel like you're losing your sense of identity. You're forgetting who you are. You can come home and find me again. Lord, we thank you for your words that bring eternal truth. We thank you that you are the living God. We thank you that you are not a God of overpowerment. Oh, may we get this. You're not a God of overpowerment. You're always a God of invitation. You are always inviting us to something better. As the scripture says, taste and see that the Lord is good. As we have still the taste of the bread and the taste of the, the juice on our tongue this morning, may we be reminded to taste and see that the Lord is good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.